Okay, good morning again. So, if you have the Marmokam from last time, the Pesukim in Yeshua, we're up to Pasuk Ches. This, uh, get you a page number here, it's one, two, three, four pages in. Perek Beis, Pasuk Ches, and Shaftim, four pages into your set. And there uh, should be one on the couch there. It's a Pelliates also. It's a Pelliates also if you uh, have that set from last week. <clears throat> okay, so this next series of Psukim is actually... I don't want to call it a repeat. We don't repeat anything in Tanakh. We only put them in the context to contrast what was and what is going on now to show where the problem was. And the rare event where the Navi now goes back to something mentioned in Yeshua to show that Yeshua ben Nun had been very successful in conquering most of Eretz Yisrael, but there was still a lot to do. And when we use the word a lot, it's because Los Chayikam is anybody who didn't do tshuva it wasn't Maguire and didn't leave, it has to be uh, found and caught and uh, dispensed with because they're going to be a bad influence in Ruchnius. That's the first thing. And the second thing is they're going to be a thorn in their side in terms of the possibility of rebellion. And bear in mind that what we're going to see later on in this parak and the future Prokim are already over 100 years since they came into Yisrael. So whoever was left over, even if the number of the local population was 5% or 10%, that's going to be enough to regroup and make inroads. And when we meet uh, the enemies, whether it been, had been the enemies from without, which are right in the border, which decided to come back in, that's going to be Mayev. Uh, whether it's uh, Kushan Rishasayim, whether it's going to be <coughs> Melech Hatsar, we have to fight the Dvar and Barak. This is after many, many decades. So the fact, and I'm going to mention this throughout Shaftim, the fact that there are many years where it was pretty calm and most of the people are doing mitzvahs correctly and the Goyim are at bay doesn't mean there's no chance of resurgence. And indeed it will happen when they're called to task by not finishing the job. So the reaction, the facts on the ground, the wars that we're going to see and the attacks are a function of their averas, not a function of the strategy of the Goyim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the same HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kaviyachol, the only HaKadosh Baruch Hu who gave them the Seat HaShemayin Nisim and the flows to do the job, would have given it to finish the job. They just have to show that Zrizus. And it's human to get tired after decades of fighting, even though they weren't called upon to do it every day, but they were called upon to finish the campaign. And they didn't, because people naturally get lazy, and then they figure, no, Ruba Kakula, you can come with alumnus over here. Ruba Kakula, and we're basically finished, and that shavit is finished. And part of the difficulty is each shavit had to finish the job themselves, but they still depended on, depended on their brothers, and they wanted help, and often they got help. But it was sort of every shavit doing their own thing, which is fine if the whole shevet would be involved, but then within the shevet, certain people got the nachala. Remember, Yeshua ben Nun split up the land already. They knew exactly where they were going. So soon somebody had their chance to 
build their house and get their log cabins, just borrowing it from Colonial in America, Lahavdil, and plant your vineyards and till it and work it. There's a built-in time constraint and certain laziness and certain selfishness, natural, but you don't want to necessarily be going to fight for your neighbors and even tribesmen or other parts of Klai Yisrael if you have plenty to do at home. And that includes your davening and learning and your working, which was uh, difficult. So I don't want to build in too many excuses to why they didn't get this done. All this was the human condition. The Navi, as we saw last week, Pinchas came and gave them serious, serious heavy musr, b'shem Hashem, that this better not continue, otherwise... Right now, you're not being attacked yet, but I'm going to take away the natural siyat of the Shmaya. So, there's a situation where you don't have uh, the natural uh, reliance on if you don't, you're going to have more siyat Shmaya. The more you start depending on your vineyard and your farm and looking at it and worrying about only your family and forget about the Kayach of Klai Yisrael, you're going to have a problem. So, that's the backdrop of why we're going back to Yeshua ben Nun to explain what he did accomplish and what he didn't yet accomplish and what Klai Yisrael did afterwards. So again, go to Pasuk Ches, Perik Beis, Pasuk Ches. Yom es Yeshua ben Nun, Eved Hashem, ben Mea ve'eser shanim. So let's live 120 years like his Rebbe. He was slowing the conquest down to be able to live longer, not selfishly, but to be around because he knew that as long as he and the generation are there, Clay Israel will continue to do a perfect job. And for anybody else, a near perfect job is great, not for Clay Israel. And here we have a situation where he dies early because of what was being suggested in his Mahalich backfired. And he's now not only not there until 120. He leaves the world in 110. We're going to see the drasha. That's the name of a place, but it's not necessarily, and it represents something else. Also representing Rashi. Simnas Cheres Al Shem Shemidu Tamunas Cheres Al Kivroi. They put. A tamuna of a cheres. Cheres can mean a round piece of pottery, but here it was supposed to represent the sun. Want to just write that they put a picture of a sun? It's also put a picture of the sun. You can't draw a picture of the sun. To the chagrin of many murrahs and kindergarten teachers, I get the shiloh all the time. Baruch Hashem, they're asking. At least now people know there's a shiloh over here: the sun, the moon, the stars. And you can't draw the draw the moon, the stars. And if they look even remotely similar to the moon, the stars. And you can't draw the sun. You can't uh, take pictures of the sun. But the Eved, since we don't do active Avodah in our communities to the sun, Baruch Hashem, if you have it already, there might be no Isser any longer of Chashad, and to get rid of it. But there's still a separate Isser, Los Asaniti, to draw the sun, the moon, the stars, the Yudbeis Mazalas, uh, different animals, not all of them, uh, just animals in the Maisa Merkava, and according to what might be Rav Yishan, believe it or not, people, the last part, don't get nervous, we're Makel. We take pictures of people and we produce them and we, um, we uh, actually have a lot of them and every chasna has a photographer and even whatever happens after this tkufa, 
as many people or as few people as you have at your chasnas, they're going to have a photographer. The Mechazchinach, interestingly enough, uh, is uh, one of the proponents in the Achrayim. He says he doesn't understand what the Machab and the Mechazchinach he thinks we're going to be showing Losasan Iti is Losasan Kedemus Shemoshai Bemarom. That's the sun, the moon, the stars, constellations. And Losasan Iti is the Demus Elokim and Tzalem Elokim. Um, many say that means the picture of man, and we limit it to the 3D picture of man, which means you can't have a bust. We discussed this, I believe, part of the Chukah Sayyam Shir. We got into a little bit of Hilch Zavodazar. And 2D is apparently is not Osir, uh, but Mechazchina says the jury's still out on that. And there were Machmirim without the Deir's general, the Minig is Lahokal. So the question over here is, why would they put a, what? 2D should be not a problem for stars, little pictures that they run. The no, because 2D is also by stars and sun and moon because that's the way we perceive it. We don't see the moon in 3D. We might think we do, but we don't. It's flat. I, whenever I look up, as an Inyat Pikavon, I stare at the moon. By Kirish Lavana, we take a quick glance and we look down at that sitter and then face the other way. But the, uh, the moon it, to us is 2D, not 3D. And if you're flying to the moon and you're landing and you see it in 3D, that's fine. But that's not a picture, that's the moon. Unlike the, unlike the conspiracy theory that we never landed, but which is ridiculous. The moon, what? Photographs of the moon are, or in the planetarium, you see a moon, an actual Yeah, moon. so once you have it, you can look at it. There's, uh, we didn't make that. You couldn't make a 3D. Yeah, you couldn't make a 3D printing. is very big. So there, uh, there's um, a fellow who, uh, in our shul, as a matter of fact, let me see if he's on the screen. Yeah, Levy, I'll give you a credit. Levy's here. Levy Magid. So uh, you make 3D printing. You still make 3D printing, right? A little advertising for free? Yeah, still so, in it. Okay, still in it. Okay, so he brought me an exquisite 3D bust of a very good-looking guy. It was him. <laughs> and uh, it was interesting. Mamish, look, it's scary how similar that was. You still have that? You, or did I tell you to break off a nose? No, I don't no, remember what we did. Yeah, yeah. You got rid of it. I got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> he came to me after it was made. Somebody made it. He's got a whole company doing it. He's made it. I said, you know, that's the spitting image of you. It's amazing. Mamish, uh, it's amazing what they could do. Yeah, so, um, so we don't do that. Um, and he does a lot of 3D printing, but that, if you're Jewish, he's not going to do for you. So that's part of the advertising. So, um, it's, uh, so Amir Lakam is a Shaila. Amir Lakam, like anything else, normally Amir Lakam applies on, on things also. But uh, I assume, Levi, most of your 3D printing, once you're advertising uh, exactly what you do, is for companies with models for serious things like. Uh, I guess respirators, unfortunately, or things like that, you know? Yeah, um, things like that and, and yeah. buildings. Yeah, buildings and, yeah, skyscrapers and the like. Yeah, they're, they're not really into people. Now they're very less into people after we discuss the Shiloh. So, um, yeah, so that's a real modern Shiloh. Like, you know, the, you can't, you couldn't make up these things. That Now it, you don't have to make a bust. used to be it. You know, a sculpture and a whole. Now you could pop it out of a computer. But uh, that's still part of the Easter because that's Mamish uh, 3D, the Shailiz on the whole body, how much of the bust, how much of the face, the profile, that's uh, a Dean in the Achrenim. So, with that, how about, yeah. How about the sun emoji? The sun emoji. So, if you press a button and it looks like, I assume, a sun with a, like an orange thing with those little things coming out of it, right? I assume that's what it yeah. looks like, yeah. So, that's a problem. You should not be using a sun emoji because that's drawing. When you press a button, that's drawing. I'm you're not drawing the whole thing, but you're pressing the button, you're putting it on the screen. Is it something of Mamashus of the screen? Mm, no, because not much Mamashus of ink on the paper either. I mean, Chatzitza, no, Chatzitza, Dime, if you have ink on your hand, make it, and we try to get it up, make it a din, it has no Mamashus, there's no, there's no din Chatzitza, so that wouldn't, that wouldn't make a difference. But Moshe say that it's not Ksiva? 
Yes, that's what Avi was asking. So in Hilchas Chalamayid, we still consider it Siva. We tell people if they're working in the office and it's Dover Avid and they have to write, it's probably better to write on a screen than it is on a paper because it has less mamashas and erasing it. And Mikra Din, it's not erasing Shem Hashem because that is it's a cussive, it's a bunch of pixels. No, but we certainly encourage people not to erase Shem Hashem if they don't have to and not to write it that way if you're going to erase it and shut the screen in a moment. But Mikra Din, it's, it's mutter. But over here, it's, you're creating the picture of it and the picture is now, there's no... Whether it's the rice is a different story, but you can't make a picture of a sun that's going to self-destruct in 50 seconds either. The temporary is normally a problem. Uh, so yeah, I would skip those emojis. The kula we do have is sunsets seem to be mutu. You could take pictures of those. Half of a, uh, half of a yeah, half a moon not, because that's a very common position of the moon. But the problem is, according to that far, watch the sunset be mutu. The sunset's a very common position of the sun. As a matter of fact, it happens every day. We haven't missed one yet. So why should that be mutter is a good question, and uh, the chilik isn't clear, but the arpeis can then make all when it's not a full sun. Do they have a half emoji? Yeah. Tzaddik? A so. uh, sunset? They have the whole spectrum. They have the whole spectrum, okay. So maybe use the uh, not a full moon, uh, and uh, that would be to, better. Are you allowed to open the emoji keyboard, because it has, then it comes up on your screen, the sun. You have to physically, there's, an, you, there's no, an emoji when, when keyboard? When to the emoji keyboard, it pops up all the emojis and you pick the one. But don't they have hundreds of emojis? Yes, you scroll through it. But if you pop it open and there's yeah. the sun, so now you've drawn... On your first screen is the emojis. Uh, I would... Sometimes uh, they have suggestions. If you type the word sun in, it yeah. suggests, here's the sun, and it pops up. Yeah, so, so don't don't so don't make any so suggestions. You, so how do you... So, so you can't even open uh, it? Uh, no, you can open it. I assume you, the front, your first screen of emojis is probably pictures of Tzadikim and, and uh, Shtiklach Teira, and I assume I all sorts of things like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, that's not the best for a screen to you open up. I mean, to open it if it had a I mean, if you're if opening it is bringing it up, I would avoid it. App that has a picture of a sun in it. You they don't have half suns. No, sometimes it has a full. Yeah. Then you can't open the app. So I think this morning, if you have time, can you uh, write an entire program for a weather app and put a half a uh, half a sun in? Because we seem to have a big problem over here. So yeah, uh, weather apps are surely a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Symbols. Okay, it goes to the sugi because the weather app has the Nevi'im uh, Sheker that are in there giving us all the false news, so uh, all the fake news. So that fits. Uh, so um, it was it was so ridiculous they were predicting snow for this past Shabbos, uh, and it's in May. Everybody knows it's not snowing in May. So uh, so okay, that's that's interesting. So find one. There must has got to be a weather app that just has a picture of a snowman, which at least it's a picture of a guy, but it's not 3D. They so always uh, they always have suns, really. Day. Uh huh. Okay, you got Davin for rain. What can I tell you? Uh, so, anyway, so getting back to Yeshua ben Nun, so of all things, after all this, they put a, they put a sun on his Mateva. So, why'd they do that? So, Rashi says, we'll get back to the Isra in a moment, and that, that to me is not worthy. It doesn't say Beferish sun, it's a Cheris that was in the shape of a sun. This is a Pella. We're very careful what we put on Matzevas. If you remember from our Chukasem Sugya, uh, we discussed, uh, it's common today, people put pictures that the Mom Shik already before they were able to put 
desktop publishing of the photography straight on. They had that problem then, the Mamshik, who was always very on guard for Chadosh Asim and the Torah, like his Rebbe Dachsam Sefer, and all sorts of new ideas. He says, that's the guy who's off to draw pictures, and we don't do it. Is it absolutely also that example? Should you uh, boycott Leviah? No. It's commonly done by people who don't realize it's not a Jewish minig. You can't answer it once it's done going to the Leviah and participating, but it should not be done, and that already is two-dimensional. The sun, which has an issa with 2D, is being put on Yeshua Benin's kever for a musr. And the musr, as Rashi just told us, is they wanted people to know whoever visited Yeshua Benin's kever, which sure was a very choshva mokum to daven and to go and to get this musr and to see there the mokum of the great leader where he was buried. And there's a picture of a sun which expressed the following notion. That is that while you're alive, you better get everything you want done or try to do whatever you want done because as great as Yoshua Benun was, and he was so great, he was able to stop the sun, which is only done a couple of times in history, and now he's multiple kever, and as great as he was and as powerful as he was, he can't do that, which means that you only live once and time is valuable and you need to use it. And that was the Musr. So here, I think that's the Musr whenever you go to a Beis Elam, right? Beis Elam is full of people who are... Um, no longer alive, and as great as they were, they're reaping the full benefit in Shamayim. But the Musar is, you can't do anything. That's the Loy Larash. You got to put in your tzitzis because you are alive. And no matter how small you think you are, you could do the mitzvah tzitzis. Every word you say it can be Talmud Torah. And there are mitzvahs karima, and there's so many opportunities and things you can do. And as great as somebody is, as powerful as they might have been, you can't do it now. And that causes a jealousy. That's the Loy Larash concept. And they felt it was important to put this in his kever because Yeshua Benun was the greatest person in their recent history to have a kever. Moshe Rabbeinu had a kever, but we don't know where it is. And Badafka, Hashem, Hashem, many reasons why we don't know where it is. And one of them is they're going to go there, it's going to become a shrine, and it's going to become a mokom where it's going to become an avodazar. So, so that, what? As I'm saying, yeah, can you imagine, you know, we understand it more and more. There are many other reasons why Kosh Baruch decided we can't know where it is, but that reason is obvious. It is, Yeshua Benun was the Chama and the Levana Mashal, where, interestingly enough, they didn't put a Levana on his kever, even though the Mashal was, he's Levana against the Chama. They put a Chama because he was also a Hemshech of Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, we never went into that, but there's a lot to, uh, to discuss there. At the beginning of Yeshua, it, it starts off with Moshe Avdi Meis, and the Chazal say of Moshe Rabbeinu that Hashem told Yeshua Benun, if Moshe Rabbeinu was alive, I'd prefer him. But, we have you, so take them into Eretz Yisrael. Say when the sun sets, the sun rises. Well, the sun set, but the the sun they weren't there at the same time. He was. That's another question referring to why he was why he was given smicha at the time when the sun was still up. You mean why he gave it to? Yes. So, but the moon marshal over here was given to show that the gap between Moshe and Yeshua was already like the sun and the moon. That marshal is a nice way of saying that whenever a leader is going, Hashem is preparing another leader. So we like to compare that. Don't worry, and everything's going to be fine. We always have leadership, and that's true. But Klai Yisrael's witness of the gap between Moshe Rabbeinu, who is the Adon and Avim, and Yoshua Benun, who was Taka the God and he became leader and he was chosen over Moshe Rabbeinu's son, which is normally against the din. Moshe Rabbeinu's sons were in the running, and Moshe Rabbeinu thought they were, and he was right. 
He suggested them. Marshal Chumash tells us that. And Hashem said, they're number two and three, but Yeshua Benun was the Masmed who stood by his side and never left the best Medjish, and therefore he's becoming leader. And with all that, there's still a sun to a moon. The point, which uh, we can't, can't develop now, but I want to get to the sun aspect, but Yeshua Ben-Nun was a hemshech of Moshe Rabbeinu to the extent that Chazal point out that Moshe Rabbeinu reminded him that, that Hashem reminded him that Moshe Rabbeinu was the leader who was supposed to take them into Israel, and you would have been at his side. That couldn't happen for various reasons, and understand that you're supposed to continue his job. So the moon is the reflection of the sun, not an independent operator. So nobody's independent. Every Talmud should be carrying forth what the Rebbe set in motion, giving over the Maserah, what he got from Moshe Rabbeinu from Sinai. But Yeshua Benun especially was such a matzah and a Talmud where he was supposed to be representing what was continuing. So the sun, I believe, was on here because it represents that notion. And there are many other rayas to that notion that, that he's uh, uh, almost a... Uh, representing Moshe Rabbeinu as opposed to any other time is also representing the Rebbe again, but he's supposed to finish the job, so to speak. So they put the sun on, and the Musa was there, and people saw that whatever you can accomplish, you got to do it, because after Misa, you can't do it anymore. Question is, again, had they put a sun? So, either a sunset, or my dick over here, Tamunas Cheris, is a funny way to describe a Tamun of a sun. You can make a thing out of Cheris, but they clearly took something which didn't look exactly like the sun, but reminded them they took Cheris and made it round. They made something that would remind people of the sun, and you can talk about, you can engrave a posica on the thing and talk about when Yeshua and stopped the sun. They could have a whole paragraph description. It doesn't say what else they put there, but it was enough of a reminder that he's the one who stopped the sun, and it didn't look enough like a sun to be over that isser. That's uh, a possibility to answer, but it still is, again, it's the Raisa independent of any shad of Avodazar. Let's continue. The end of the Pasuk says, to give us the geography, it says, Timnas Cheres, which we now Darshan, might be the name of the place also, but it really represented the picture of the sun on his Matseva. And Tzfein Har Gaash. Again, Pashasha could be the name of a place, but it sounds like an unusual name. And we know that uh, Chazal tell us Har Gaash is the fact that there was an earthquake because the people weren't Maspid Yeshua Benun enough, Kefima Jagosa, like they were Moshe Rabbeinu. And there was an earthquake to show the uh, anger in Shemayim that the tzaddik wasn't a nisbud ka'alocha, which is a very important uh, concept and thing to always follow through with. It's been difficult in this last kufa, many, many tzaddikim and helig uh, and the leviyas were cut down to a minimum, and the hespedim were as well. And um, we have to uh, follow up on that. Vagam pasigir vagam kaladar hu nesfu el avaisam yakom daracha chareim asher loyadu es Hashem vagam es amaisa shaosul diyisrael, and the entire dar shortly afterwards was nifter because they weren't uh, part of the punishment they weren't masped him kahalacha and according to his madrega and lamaisa they were myrich the diak we had last week they are myrich yamim but not shanim after Yeshua benun and now a new generation who clearly heard what happened from their predecessors and their ancestors, but they didn't see it. And Lamaisa Ena Daima Shmi 
as we mentioned two weeks ago, I believe, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Badafka does not do Nisim Gluyim like he did by Yitzhi Yisrael and the Dar Midbar and the entrance to Eretz Yisrael and the splitting of the Arden and Yerichai. All those were absolute Nisim Gluyim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't do that in every generation because then there won't be any Nisayin. The Nisayin is to pass on the Maseira and get your Amuna the hard way. The one time it was given on a silver platter is because it has to start somewhere. Uh, I think the Dubna Magid has the famous marshal with the famous uh, concert pianist who was in um, Carnegie Hall and all over the world. I guess Dubna Magid did mention Carnegie Hall. I don't know if it was around then, but whatever was going on in Vienna then. And um, he was uh, called upon all over the world at uh, great expense to travel and to certain tkufas show off to tremendous crowds. And one time he was stopped in the street by a six-year-old girl, and he, she said, Mr. So-and-so, I heard you really play the piano well, um, but I don't really believe it. Um, th- they say it, and I've heard it from many people, but I don't really believe it. Can you come over to my house today and play? What would he answer? Ah, chutzpah. If, if he had to stop, now you don't scream at a little girl. If you had to stop for every little girl and every little boy or every adult who believes that uh, the people are talking about, they've been talking about for generations and that millions of people witnesses, but he didn't see it, so therefore he wants his own personal uh, show. Um, he's going to be met, he should be met with ridicule and scorn and disbelief as a like, guy, get with the program. Uh, if uh, Hashem is um, the omnipotent and he's the one who can do things and runs the world and you need to fear Hashem and respect Hashem, part of fear is that he shouldn't have to lower himself to keep proving it to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. There has to be a system where there's a schar coming from the Avaida of finding Hashem and listening to your parents and grandparents and your Abayim and tapping into the Messiah. And that's pretty, pretty important. For, uh, and if you look for it, there are many, many, many nisim going on in everybody's personal lives on a national level. And as Chazal tell us, the biggest nis, which is uh, probably bigger in many ways than all the Nisim Gulim put together is the Kevis that's still around with the 70 wolves and the fact that we're still here. And if you look at uh, what's going on now, which is again, as I mentioned in many Madrashas, and I will continue to mention because people tell me, that's why I'm talking about it, that it actually does lift them up. If you heard the Drasha from this past Shabbos, I always end up sending it out three hours before Shabbos. So usually people listen to it. It's not dated and uh, happens to mention the Parsha, but if you didn't hear it, you listen to it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday also. But the fellow who said that he actually gets a little bit of a uh, pick-me-up from reading Holocaust stories, and he read it on Shabbos, he wanted to know his mutter, reading Holocaust Shabbos. Uh, Shabbos is not exactly, uh, not exactly mutter under normal circumstances. And it's not uh, regular material. You know, I'll read something that's heartbreaking and every page is. I said, under these circumstances, if you were down and this picked you up to see a contrast of what Klai Soho survived and what we're putting up with now, then okay, but don't, uh, don't overuse the heter. But the historical backdrop is very important. If you just take a sampling of what was going on in the past hundred years to the world and to Klai Yisrael, uh, anybody who survived uh, the pogroms and anybody who survived World War I, and as bad as the world got it, the Jews always got it worse because World War I, whatever side you were on, was the wrong side and they blamed the Jews and then they came to get you and then you were stuck in the, in the communist revolution. And in the middle of all that was a play that lasted two years by Elena Rahman in 1918. And you'll say, well, why would they blame the Jews? I don't know what they said about the Jews in 1918. But I know what they said about them in the Black Plague, and the Babonic Plague was the same one, and the 
how do you blame the Jews? Well, Jews happen to have been uh, perhaps uh, a little bit under the radar and more secluded because they went in their own ghetto, they quarantined, and they also have dinim of washing in the morning and the afternoon and uh, mikvah and coming at the Shabbos, uh, Shabbos. So a natural protection, and they also have to bury their dead right away. There are many reasons why they got hit less if uh, the facts are true or the perception was they did, and um, it caused a lot of, uh, lot of anti-Semitism, a lot of, of death. And it's, it's amazing. You just look at history and you see what's going on. There was never an opportunity missed with any excuse, real or imagined, to go get the Yidin Rahman Litzlan, and we're still here, and we still have a Messiah, and being here physically doesn't help. We're still here, we're still learning, we're still teaching, we're passing on the Messiah, and even though none of us know anybody who saw Nisim Gluyim, Lamaisa, that's the biggest nace. And if you look um, not that hard, you'll see the Nisim day-to-day as well. And that, that's important, despite the fact the Pasuk is now bracing us to the fact that there was a slight dip in Madrega because they didn't see these Nisim Gluyim. That's human. But as the Navi is going to tell them time and time again and shave him, it's still not an excuse. You have to take the Messiah and you have to live a moon, you have to breathe a moon, you have to tell over the stories of yesterday, you gotta tell over the stories of the Gemara. The reason Tanakh exists is you have to know this happened, it has to be real to you. And all the Maisim and the Gemara, Agadita is integral to the Halacha and to the Lumdis because it's the same Torah and you can't really delve in to learning if you don't have the Yerushalayim, you can't tap into Yerushalayim if you don't feel like you're a part, a link in that chain. And that, I think, uh, at this point in history has to be uh, reinforced, uh, which is the beauty of learning uh, Shaftim. We're really going back to the very beginning and seeing it. So, that's what the Pasuk is bracing us for. That was Pasuk Yud. Let's go to Yud Aleph. Again, certain themes, I hope, when we finish Shaftim in a year or two, you'll be able to give this over to your friends and your children in your sleep and say this disclaimer. Uh, Yasara is relative. Most of the people are doing, most of the time, good things. But there were enough and significant uh, things that were going wrong or they were not going right quick enough in terms of getting rid of the bad influences. And the more the Navi screams, the more it's going to be fixed up to the degree that we're going to be able to survive, which worked, even though there's a lot of heartache in between. If you remember at the end of Malachim Beis, when everybody was pretty down and, I don't want to say depressed, but uh, we kept warning you for a half a year, we're sliding to the Chorban, and then we actually learned about the Chorban. So, the very positive silver lining is that the Navi didn't waste his time, and all the screaming and yelling, and all the Musr, and all the Kirov, and everything they did, affected in a very positive way a critical mass of people that ended up surviving intact in their Ruchnius, and were willing to go on and to learn to teach, to build yeshivas, which they did in Bavl, and pass on the Messiah. And we are the uh, inheritors of Shaz Bavli, which came after a pretty brutal time. And then they had some peace, because Hashem knows what we can handle. And Lamaisa, that only happened because somebody said something and did something about it. And somebody stressed the importance and knew the balance of heavy Musr and Kirov and Ava and, and knew how to adjust it and got enough people there. And that's our job. Everything else is not our problem. So here, the Navi is just trying to get as many people on board as you can. You were uh, started. When, when it says that they did not have Hashem, does that imply that if the person was looking at what they did, they say, hey, it's fine. 100%. That's exactly, that's exactly one of the beautiful duke they have in a key subpoena that. Vayasa, Rabbi, and Hashem is that Hashem in the recesses, the Neshama, so they could do more. That's quite a high madrega. But they weren't a high madrega. 
and we have to make sure. And the Pesukim coming that are going to talk about Avodah Zarah and intermarriage, we stress this theme during Shmuel and Malachim, that Avodah Zarah was always a meat of the people, but it was enough that it caused the Chorban, and even the ones that didn't, still, if you have in your mind something soaks in or seeps in by osmosis, some Krum Hashkafa, that you strongly disagree with the others, that you would never go to the temple, and you go to the regular minion, not the Shkama minion, the Shkama minion then, where people had to go to the Bati of Arzar, as it was in America, the people who wanted to go to work. These are people who are struggling, so you'll say, at least they went to the Shkama minion, yes, better than people who didn't show up at all. So all the people looked down on that, rightfully, and said, I don't go to those trade for things, I don't hang around with such people, but if in their mind it's a little less evil, and they have some Hashkafa that ends up affecting their Avodah Hashem, that's already a problem. So only Hashem can see that in the recesses of the heart. It's very beautiful. I, I speak to, especially in this Tkufa, it was going on before, so Baruch Hashem, they're reaching out. A lot of Bachram call, and we have uh, discussions to the uh, limits of my time on Chizik and what they're doing, and, and the Drushas were sending out, you notice I keep uh, sending out uh, every week or two when I, write, when I say for Bachram, I, I put in parentheses for the entire families. The parents have to hear it, and the sisters have to hear it, but they need Chizik also. But Baruch Hashem, by and large, they're doing it. And uh, one conversation I had last week, a bracha told me, that shows you how much of a Roshim you can make, you don't even know who you're affecting. Bracha told me that he had a tremendous surge in Cheshek to learn because he was listening to Shir on the phone from his Rebbe. And it's, you know, it's a tall order to do it day after day. And you try your best, and they're doing basically very well, but the need's always chizik, and he overheard in the background his rabbi's not on mute because he's giving the shir, and he's also at home. So he heard in the background one of his older sons, a bacher, a different mesech, steiging away, and he heard the kol in the background. He said it gave him a tremendous amount of chizik. That bacher doesn't know that his learning out loud, he's into it, there's rabbi in a different room, is giving shir to somebody else, and somebody got chizik from that. It's always like that. We have to know the Kayach. Every Yesh Me Rabbah, I don't know what was uh, going on with that, but I'll ask you later in a positive way uh, about something, a good example that uh, will we remain nameless right now about the, uh, about the Chizik to somebody else. Well, you probably don't, even, probably don't even realize it. I'll tell you later. But people walk around, and it's not just when we do mitzvahs, we're doing mitzvahs ourselves, and it gives ourselves, because we think our, our kids are watching, our, our spouse to see, and they're proud of us, that's all true. It has a ripple effect. The problem is, on the negative side, and that's what the Pusik is alluding to, you can have one generation later, and they already didn't, didn't see the nace, it's a little bit cooled off. You have to work on igniting it, and if you don't, there are some could be 5-10%. Some meat of the population is going to start slipping. It's always like that. Nobody's ever have a cross-section. Everybody's in the same Madriga. And you have a situation where, at this point, as you pointed out, your dick, it's not even something you could perceive. But if it starts there, they're going to get the Musa. And if the Musa doesn't work, they're going to get the enemy to attack to wake them up, which will work very well. And we have to take it in kind, Baruch Hashem. This enemy, as they're calling the invisible enemy, right now is not against the Jews. Baruch Hashem. But it's still a wake-up call. It's still something to get us focused that nobody lives forever, and we don't have to go to the base island to see that people never uh, died, and people are sick, Rachman Litzlan. And the wake-up call, use your time. You're living once, and uh, time is very precious, and nothing's a guarantee. So that's without a world war, any personal attack against the Jews, which is tremendous midas arachamim. And we have to internalize that and be motivated by it. So, yes, the dig is correct, and the amount of people involved is just enough to 
get the Navi to have to come and start bringing it up. Pasuk Yud Beis Vayazvu Es Hashem Again, now that you're all prepared, sounds like everybody left on Mas. It was a Haskalah and we lost 90% of the people. That happened in the 1800s after many years, many centuries of Golis. But it wasn't all of Klai Yisrael and they were writing us off. You look at all the writings from the late Haskalah pre-war and then uh, post-war in America, there, were, there was tremendous nebuch, tremendous histogdus by the establishment in America, the Reform and others, not to bring Orthodox Jews in, because they said it doesn't even like pay. They called it a sickly weed being transported, transplanted from Europe. Can you imagine? That's a lot of hatred. The good news is it comes from the Pintaliyid that they're just guilty, feel guilty and are jealous like Rabbi Kiva would not equating in the same paragraph Rabbi Kiva would that uh, Rishus Rabbi Kiva said when he was Shemitah and Mitzvahs he would bite a Tamachachim. Where'd that come from? That's all jealousy. So here, these people were Rishayim and Chetim Achtias Arabim, the leaders in America, and they really had a hatred. It still comes from the fact that somewhere there, there's still a Yid there, and they don't like seeing people who remind them of what the grandfather looked like that they should look like, and that bothered them. And when they came, they said they don't even know why they're bothering. It's un-American, and it's all going to be God in one generation. This is repeated by Kemat, all of society. It was a given. The orthodoxy would not be transplanted successfully and would certainly not have a resurgence. Unfortunately, we're not happy to report this. Here we are 60, 70 years later and not only was it transplanted successfully and not only has had a tremendous growth and incredible success, the people who said that aren't around anymore. And whoever is doesn't, doesn't claim to be Jewish in any form or fashion. We don't take any solace in that. We just That's the way history works. So here the Pasuk says, You think everybody's going off, it's all over the world. This is the meat that Hashem saw in the last Pasuk in their heart that they were starting to drift and the peripheral will drift and we have to try to save every single Yid. And again, the problem is there were still some locals around with their temples and their avodazars. I don't like to end on a bad note, but the next passage is even worse. So, the silver lining will be, and I want to go to the Peleates a little bit, is that is going to be an immediate fix. It's and he's going to send the people who were conquered to all of a sudden have strength to have a counterattack, and some of our neighbors who we have no sheikhs with all of a sudden attack us. That's all Me'ashem Yetzadover, just to wake us up. And that will work. That's good news. The bad news is what they have to put up with and who's going to get hurt in the interim, Mahmoud Islam. We'll pick that up next week. If you can go to your Peleyets. We are on page two of your set, which is, if you're working out of our regular Peleyets, we started the Shalom entry, which on page one, which is on page Kufsaditess, and we're going to go now to page two, which is page Reish, and we were talking about the Indian to be Reidif Shalom, not only in your own Daladamas, which, as we mentioned last week, people find 
challenging. They find the good news is there are less people to argue because they see less people. The other news is that the people in the Dalai Lamas, uh, we have to have patience for our own family members and friends and those you see if you're going to work in the office eight feet away. It should be easier not to fight if you're standing eight feet away. But mice are people under pressure and not everybody's in a great mood and not everybody's learning Musa to be able to be in a great mood. And um, we understand why this tremendous pressure. There's, uh, I think, uh, uh, Shragi mentioned to me one of his uh, co-workers, a, uh, an Akum, who's a nice guy and under a lot of pressure, living in Manhattan, which, you know, near, near downtown. The apartments are, how do I describe this? Uh, if you're looking at my study on the screen over here, um, this study is probably bigger than the entire apartment. And, and he works from home. So you're in very close quarters alone. For And there, there are millions of people like this. It's a, it's a nebuch. And um, he says the highlight of his day is at 7 o'clock. So Shrag is telling me this. I said, what happens at 7 o'clock? He says, oh, 7 o'clock is the highlight of the day. They have a ceremony for a few minutes. He goes to his window, opens the windows, and takes pots, and he knocks it together. And he shows chizik for the health workers. A very nice idea to show appreciation for the health workers and the policemen and all the people in the trenches. And then he closes his window and he goes in back to whatever he was doing, which whatever he's doing is probably on the computer. Either he's working or watching something all day and all night, which is uh, he's doing what he could do and not a tain on him, but that's pretty depressing. Without uh, tefillah, without Torah, without uh, people, that's that's hard and it's also a little toxic you have a situation where if enough people are without getting into the sugya now I have enough shirim for Shabbos afternoon when we get back together for about 92 years so um, and a lot of it will be on film a lot of it will not and you'll figure out which ones are which but uh, there's uh, it's uh, you know the, the problem now there's a real halachic sugya halachic and ashkafic which is being debated now in the country by the country, by the Gaim. It's not just a Jewish problem. And that is, uh, you know, how much weight do you give to opening up society? Because if there's no economy, we're going to have serious problems of health and suicide and hospitals falling apart because nobody has any money and health systems falling apart and uh, food issues versus right now, why don't you just have less money and save lives? And halacha, certainly, all things being equal, supports the latter, not the former, the question is, we also don't want, as Yidin, you want society to be calm enough that there's no civil unrest, because that's never good for any minorities. And we won't mention which minorities it's really not good for. And um, you want society to be in somewhat of a good mood. And that takes an economy also. And people have been asking me the last few days about this. This is the talk of the country. Like, how do we do this? And nobody has the right answer. The Democrats are being very smart. They won't answer the question because there is no answer. And it's easier not to answer. And whatever anybody else does, you just tell them you're wrong. Because you're wrong whatever you do. Either it's too early or too late. We all know that. Right? There is no way to do this without, you know, getting a lot of people in trouble. So it's easier not to answer the question. So right now, the White House didn't call me on this particular issue, and uh, so I'm not going to answer the question for them, but halakhically for us, uh, this is an issue, and, uh, and an issue that is, is difficult, and it's difficult to, in our own communities, uh, Lagabe opening up uh, minyanim and shuls and this and that, and it's always a heated issue, but there is, and we're dealing with it, and, and uh, the people who are, will be getting uh, decisions have to understand that uh, everything's being looked at and being thought at, and uh, we're trying to mahalach. It's not going to be perfect, because it's not perfect. And we value life over 
anything else. And then the question is, um, what are the other things playing in the background that can affect people's sanity and and life and life in Ruchnius and all that's got to be put into the chalt. And that's a difficult decision. So uh, somebody um, very uh, thought through, somebody very smart, and last night and then before Shabbos we were discussing it, and he said, well, are the guy am wrong that they even have the notion to put society back and open it up for the economy, we value life over the economy, don't we? The answer is yes, absolutely. Until we have nothing to eat, we value it over the economy. Question is, we live within a subset of a pretty large country and a successful country and a safe country, and part of that safety has been due to the prosperity. When, when the German, what was it, the German franc after World War I, what went completely to down the drain doesn't even begin to describe it, the German franc, right? Yeah, okay, so that, and you have to like bring a whole bag to buy bread. That was Hitler Yamach Shemoy's first tool in getting everybody together and who had to get away with coming to power as things are so bad that uh, as they got worse and worse and worse then you whip up the people into a frenzy and you so Ahmad al-Assan we, we, we don't want that happening any, anywhere in society and you need an economy that's running on some level and uh, it could be pretty toxic otherwise so there are a lot of very serious questions which I'm just raising and not going into now I'm mentioning it because we're in the word Shalom our job on the individual level and the community level is whatever is being done, it has to be done b'shalom. You say, that's impossible. Everybody's got an opinion. So, well, that's why we just finished learning Shaftim. And Shaftim is all about Shaftim. You have leaders and they're taking everything into account and they're, we're doing the best under the circumstances and we got to make decisions. And at the end of the day, you can make a decision and have 17 opinions afterwards. So if you want to talk about it, talk about it as a sugya without getting excited, fine, it is a sugya. It's a sugya we'd rather not have, but Hashem feels this is good for us now. So we have the sugya. But at the end of the day, a decision has to be made. And unlike a democracy, a decision has to be made by Shaftim. And it has to be made uh, with the information under the circumstance based on Das Teirah. And if that gets lost, we're in bigger trouble than any Magefa. I can't say that more clearly. So if that keeps on spawning machlekism and attacks on Lashon Hara, we miss the entire point of the challenge. The point is, can you have shalom and can you do the right thing under trying circumstances? So that's what this is about. So that's, that's going to be, it has been a challenge and it's going to be a continued challenge because everybody thinks, you know, I, I never like, quoting Golda Meir, but I just quoted her a couple times and usually saying the same thing. But uh, she once told, you know, you tell me who she was talking to, but she said, you think you have a challenge? I'm prime minister on a country with three million prime ministers. <laughs> so that's exactly what Klai Yisrael should not be. Sefer Shevetim is about having a Shevet and rallying around the decision that's made after you do tshuva and realize that Hashem sends something so you can do tshuva. That's, that's exactly the passage we're up to next week. That's what Yes, absolutely. When it comes to mitzvahs, and you, know, and you know what? There was a very great man, very great man, with tremendous yichus, who said the same time, I'm not putting you in this category. You're just, you're just bringing it up because it's a way for me to, uh, to spell that out. I know that. And a very chosher man, very smart, on a tremendous madrega, with yichus second to none from Shevet Levi. Uh, anybody guess his name yet? Uh, his name was Kairach. And did he start a tumult of Lashon Haram Machlekes? And he got himself swallowed up for that. Because Moshe Benner said, this is exactly what the Messiah is not about. 
and Mamlachas Gain of Gai Kaddish sounds like a great rallying cry, but the communists use that, and Hitler and Machshemel use that for the same, same cause, and uh, it was about COVID the end of the day. Now, Kerech still is not, I'm not I don't want to put Kerech with the other two Rosh I just mentioned. Uh, Bizlamaisa, he had tremendous points to it, and he did tshuva, sort of, he's doing tshuva now, and screaming, Moshe Emes, Sarasa Emes, but it's Moshe Rabbeinu who gave over the Messiah to Klai Yisrael. That's exactly what Shaftim, one of the subplots, the main subplots, if you have to divide the two in Shaftim, is how little things can affect your Ruchnius and you've got to be on guard, and how leadership is needed, and how to follow leadership and what not to do. And uh, Moshe Rabbeinu had to, the only time he did this, he was very patient with Klai Yisrael, the only time he had the earth open up and swallow somebody was when that challenge was being made in a way where no one's going to understand what to do with the Derry Derrys if it's not clear. So, thank you for bringing that out. And that's... Uh, uh, right, 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 right. And it's true. It's old. Mamas kind of means that the beauty we spoke about uh, earlier in the day, Mamzer, the parsha, Kain Gadol, can't leave Yishalayim. He brings the carbon every day. And a Mamzer can't go into Yishalayim. So they ask the Kasha, so how do you have a Mamzer... Tamachachem of the Kain Gadol Amaretz. How do they? How do you happen together? They can't be walking together. So there are reasons that Kain Gadol could be of a Mishikasa. He could be out of Yerushalayim if it's not. They're not doing the carbon for him that day. There's another Kain Gadol on duty. They're different. Hatayim go out for a Dvar Mitzvah. Lamaisa. What's the din? The din is we don't have a caste system, and the Yichus is great if you use it. It can give you an extra push. At the end of the day. It's all about your own development, your own learning, what you put into it, your own davening, and your mitzvahs, and your mitzvahs nefesh. And therefore, a mamzer, which is the worst yichas possible, goes before, he's the tamachach who made something of himself, goes before kain gadol amaretz. That's mamlechah's kind of a gai kaddish. You can do whatever you want, and go wherever you want with your ruchnius, and the sky's the limit. At the end of the day, Lamaisa, the Shaftim and Shaitan have to be in control that there is one decision at the end of the day and there's a Sanhedrin. You can have a dispute how to do it and there's room for it in the Sanhedrin. There's room for Machlekes. At the end of the day, you're either following one Sanhedrin with the majority or you're following your Rav who is interpreting based on his last terror what to do. And one of those two Mahalchem, we don't have a central Sanhedrin today, so it's going to be the latter. And that's why Klai Yisrael has existed since Maimon HaSinai and it's the only way we exist. And that's why he's mentioning Shalom is not only, if you understand that, it's to get other people to understand the concept of Shalom is supreme. And Ain clean Masik Brachelah Shalom, we finish Monastery with Sim Shalom for this reason. Nothing else is ever going to work. You can't go forward unless the Shalom. Shalom doesn't mean you have to understand everything all the time. You could try, and we could try to explain, but you can explain, 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 and then you got to make a decision. And somehow, in any government, they understand that. Baruch Hashem, even in American democracy, as as clunky as a democracy is, Baruch Hashem, we hope it continues, I'd be as gold Sedik, they're still listening. Lamaisa, as much as they might hate the guy sitting in the way, they're still listening, and he still has an army, and they're still following. They're trying at every point not to, and it's getting very disruptive to get anything done. And I'm not saying he's always right on every issue, but at least there's a system. Without the system, if it comes a point where Ishayasha Be'enov, the rallying cry of the problem in all the Sefer Shaftim and the rest of the history is Ishayasha Be'enov. That, that Pusik is going to come up over and over again. So this Peleyayitz about Shalom is especially important in this time because that's one of the Nisyanis. Are we going to look to practice the Shalom and increase the Shalom, even if it means backing down on an opinion which might have been important not to say in the first place or to say, but then understand why it's not being accepted. Either one is fine. And that's the introduction to the Peleyayitz, which you just took out sitting at home and printed out. And we're going to get to it next week because it's already... 
45, we're out of time. So, Mitzvah we will aim for 10 to next week and um, start within a few minutes. In the meantime, uh, if you have not uh, joined us, uh, we have continued with the Chavala health issues. Uh, we will continue Monday night, and the theme will be on serious uh, health issues and where you can do something about it and where you can do things to the body. And Mitzvah Shem will continue that uh, tomorrow night. Um, have a good week. Hatzlach Rabbah.